1: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. We're just going to hit you with a quick intro on this one, but first of all, thank you for being here. It's good to have you. Good to have like-minded people on one spot. Here we are, just a family. Thanks for joining in. We're here on this podcast together. How's it Having going? a couple brewskis. Yeah, you're
2: happy. We're happy. Hunting season's kicking off. Ooh, one big happy family is what it is. It
1: is. It's just it's look just, at us, just a bunch of working class people just look looking good. at each other. Hanging out.
2: Singing kumbaya, you know.
1: Just whatever we do, you know, after work. You know. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Hope you're staying safe. Uh, I'm glad to have you. Um, we're going to cut right to some business very quickly, and then we have a veteran shout-out, and then we're going to jump right into the goods. So we do appreciate you being here. Um, we appreciate all the messages, the comments, reaching out, saying you like the show, what you like about us, what you hate about us. Thank you. It helps. It all helps. Uh, the podcast, and we love you. We do love you. We do love you. Even if you don't love us, we love you. Appreciate you. you. <laughs> uh, the podcast is presented by HHA Sports, and that is single-pin sites and drop-away rests. With a lifetime warranty and a company that's American-made and supports our veterans, what else can you ask for? Um, if you are interested in single-pin sites, we have a code for you to save some coin to get into your first single-pin site. Or if you want to upgrade or whatever you're into, WCB15 at HHAsports.com. Save yourself a little bit of money. Try them out. We're all shooting the HHA Tetra and the HHA Tetra Max. Love it. And we're all Love shooting it. the Virtus Dropaway Rest. Love it. So check that out
2: chop away, Wisconsin
1: based company. Super proud to have that partnership. Uh, podcast also brought to you by scent crusher, keeping a scent free from the gear bag to whatever you want out of the scent crusher arsenal. The new halo series is out big fan. Highly recommend checking them out. We run the room clean every podcast before and after every podcast. Cause Hey, you know, Greeks like beer and, three dudes in here and sweaty working guys you know it yeah. is what it is you know but yeah. scent crusher uh check them
2: out well, sweaty, <laughs> <laughs> yeah doug doesn't get sweaty yeah. but yeah. doug's polo has hey, got a little bit of sweat stain, so yeah he,
1: yeah it's all right eric and i smell like weld splatter and gear oil it's all right though uh Sink crusher helps us with smell that like a
0: keyboard uh the podcast
2: also <laughs> keyboard mountain dude. brought to you by
1: loophole <laughs> optics and we don't really need to go into that because that's what this whole episode is about is loophole but a great company they gave us a chance great people there check them out um hope you enjoy this great show. products it, too by the way it, it will make you think twice about what you're using for binos or scopes or spotting scopes um just hope you enjoy this episode it'll be fun it goes into all that um also gator outdoors Code WCB ten Gator is a lifestyle brand and a retailer. Right now, this year, we are all rocking True Timber camo yep. that we all got through Gator Outdoors, mm-hmm. and you can get that with the Gator logo printed or the Working Class Bowhunter logo printed on it. Um, super affordable camo and clothing, and a great looking camo pattern. They have a couple different options. We're rocking the Strata, Eric. You were on the Antelope Punt? What were you wearing? Uh, I can't remember the name. Real of Real Tree. Now, Real Tree. We're talking no. True Timber
2: true timber bro uh what's mine called then Vin, what's Vin, mine called then but naughty or Vin- yeah something like that i can't i can never say the name right yeah. asked jeremy from Buckstorm because he always made fun of me now oh, because you can never say it yeah because i couldn't say it right oh that yeah, makes
1: sense i like the strata it's a great looking camo <laughs> does look good um podcast also brought to you by old barn taxidermy and right now if you're a working class listener and you are if you're here If you shoot a critter and you take it to Old Barn Taxidermy, and they have many outposts so you can drop off and get your mount and critter to Old Barn, um, and they also have a Colorado location. If you get your mount to Old Barn and say, hey, working class bow hunter sent me, they'll go, oh, really? They'll put you in a drawing out of our listeners and draw a free mount out of that pot for next season. So, if you kill a deer, you take it to Old Barn. Hey, I'm a working class listener. They sent me. They put you in a special working class listener's pot. They draw that at the end of the year. You get a free shoulder mount next year if you win. Boom. It's pretty cool. There's like, like I said before, there's only like 10 people to listen to the show. So, you can have like a one in 10 chance of getting a free shoulder mount. You got a, a good chance of winning a mount. Yeah, great odds. We know there's a couple people already that have mounts in at Old Barn under the working class pot. Dang so, on. get on in there. And be a part of that, you know, one in 10 chance, but it might go up, you know, old barns going to skyrocket us into that next download realm. And then you got to compete with like a million people that are in, have shoulder mounts. So we'll get in now.
0: Basically. Yeah. I mean, whatever. get in while it's hot. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> silly. Um, be cool. Doug, you got a veteran shout out? I do. This was uh submitted by charity angry and the veteran name is Matthew angry. And I appreciate the pronunciation.
1: Their last Just, name is angry. Yeah. It just says in parentheses, like pissed off. So I appreciate that. Wow. That's fantastic. That's a cool last name actually.
0: Uh, The branch is the army. And it says, we both started listening to the podcast last week after he got a new Matthews after not shooting for eight years. We drove the truck around the road. So we listened 10 hours a day as of now to catch up. He's loving the podcast and learning a lot. He's never been deer hunting. We love the way you guys talk. It makes us feel like he's around the guys and he's known forever. He served from 2010 to 2014 and enlisted at 17 years old. He was stationed wow. in Alaska before his deployment, and he got to go on a grizzly hunt. While deployed, he was shot and ended up breaking his back shortly after that, and he was medically retired due to his injuries. Hasn't been able to hunt since because of that. After changing careers recently and a lot of pain subsiding, he's finally ready to get back and hunt this year. So,
1: No kidding. Good luck.
0: Thank you for your service. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for your service, that's a man. A story, man.
1: Yeah, that's unfortunate to hear, but, dude, we... You know, you're way more brave than any of us in here. Oh, yeah. oh, shit. I appreciate that. What was what was the name? Angry is all I remember. Matthew Angry. Matthew Angry. Dude, thank you so much for your service, man. I hope you have good luck and get out there. Um, I think I think you might kill something. I don't know. Reach out. Is the
2: mustache a... The mustache a I, mustache I, I hate to start predicting it already, but... Is it, it is getting that time. Oh, it is.
1: I wonder... Um, we'll have to get back in contact with him. I wonder if we could hook them up with, like, an accessible hunter and get some tips or, like, equipment advice or something like that yeah. to help them out absolutely yeah cool well check that out thank you so much for your service man we appreciate it we wish the best of luck to you this season man i uh i definitely think you're gonna get after it you're gonna have fun no matter what so reach out stay in contact cheers to you sir thank you so much for your service if you would like to submit a veteran shout out go to workingclassbowhunter.com hit the contact tab and there is a form there for a veteran shout out so thank you for that thanks guys um the angries coolest last name probably (laughs) the angries (laughs) the angry family you guys, <laughs> you guys are awesome. I, I, I would imagine you're probably not that angry. You're probably nah. Getting, they're probably great, but great, great, it's great last name. Sweet last name for sure. Uh, anyway, hope you enjoy this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for supporting us on every level. And uh, I was going to say we couldn't be more thankful, but I already said that like a hundred times. Hope, All right. Hope you enjoy.
3: I'm Chase
1: Rolfson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody, it's John
3: Dudley from On TV. Hey, guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi,
2: I'm Taylor Drury from Drury
3: Outdoors.
2: Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is
1: Melissa Bachman. Working Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast.
2: Working Class Bowhunter
1: Podcast Working Class bow hunter. Working Class bow hunter. Working Class Bowhunter You're listening to the Working Class bow
3: hunter. That's right, this is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket The working man, just like me and you My name's Travis T-Bone Turner from the Bone Collector Thank you for tuning in
1: Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bowhunter It's really, really not that
3: good, good.
2: good. Working <laughs> Class Working <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. This week we have from Oregon, Michael from Loophole. That's that's me avoiding his last name. What's up, man? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Hopefully you're doing well out there. So for people don't know this in podcast land, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I'm going to. We tried to do this podcast a couple weeks ago. You left for an elk hunt. We left for an antelope hunt, and you had shitty service because of fires and, like, Oregon's, like, falling off into the ocean or something like that.
3: <laughs> yeah, let's hope not.
2: He, he even told you how to say his last name. You still screwed it up. Yeah, I said, I'm going to avoid that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you phonetically spelled. That way maybe you can remember. Who knows? Yeah,
1: I'll just use my hooked-on phoenix to figure it out. <laughs> there
3: you go. That's right.
1: <laughs> so what's up in Oregon, man? I know a lot of crazy stuff's going on you guys are surviving just an outdoor company in a uh a liberal area
3: yeah well if it's not that then it's the weather like you said and the fires but thankfully we're back we had about a i don't know maybe 10 days of insanity with the uh the fires and the smoke and all that lingering and stuff but we're back to blue skies and um kind of warm actually but um but yeah good air quality and Things are kind of quiet downtown, I think, but I don't wait. I don't stay in touch with <laughs> Try to right. avoid that as much
2: as possible. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's right. Yep. Uh, you guys have uh,
1: Portland, we have Chicago, except you guys are more in Portland than we are in Chicago, that's so true. we feel free yeah. there. Well, that's good to hear, man. Yeah. I was uh, pretty concerned seeing just everything going down with the fires last time we talked, and it just was not good. And that, That's one thing in, in Illinois and in Iowa and the Midwest we do not have to worry about nope. is wildfires like that, and I don't know. It's, I'm sure a lot, sometimes you need them. Like it's probably necessary for certain areas out there, but then it's scary once it starts getting to people's homes.
3: Well, when it's, bat, you know, when it's out east, you know, on the other side of the mountains, it's mostly just sage and grass and, you know, juniper out there. So it's not, you know, you don't have a, obviously a heavily populated area. So it blows through that stuff pretty quickly and they can usually contain it pretty good. And, you know, the closer it gets to the mountains here, then it starts running into a lot of timber and then you start having bigger issues. And of course, on this side on the west side of the mountains there's a lot more you know people living and that's where it really gets crazy and that all those fires basically were all in like you know fairly highly populated areas or affecting some highly populated areas up and down the (sighs) the i-5 corridor so yeah it was nuts and then you know right after the finally you know smoke and everything like that and the fires were out and smoke was still lingering and Two or three days of really heavy rain, a couple of inches of rain. Well, what came with that was thunder and lightning, which we never get on this side of the mountains, hardly. And, uh, yeah, it reminded me of, you know, growing up back, back in the, your area. I mean, it was rattling the windows and just, you yeah, it was crazy. But thankfully we had enough rain that it didn't start more fires after that. I'll well I
2: mean, say that because a lot of the causes of wildfires is lightning, ain't it?
3: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, lightning strikes and then, you know, off it goes. And, and uh, but it, again, it's rare for that to happen on on the west side of the of the Cascades here. So that was crazy.
1: That is crazy, man. So when you say like you're originally from Wisconsin, so that's what you kind of referenced earlier. Um yep. So you're a Midwest boy at heart. You know, you're one of us, yep. but you're you're out west. So how did that yep. happen?
3: Yeah, it's kind of a roundabout way. You know, I kind of went from Wisconsin. You know, you get out of school, out of college, and you're trying to find jobs and you know nothing's really happening around there and so you know i I went to texas because i had been there quite a bit growing up with you know friends and family down there and worked down there for about 10 years and uh it was just so hot i just couldn't deal with it you know (laughs) i I gotta get out of here i mean i you know obviously my wife's from texas so i met her down there it wasn't all bad but uh but yeah so i got an opportunity to move north and uh you know, it was Portland and we jumped on it and uh, been here since I guess ninety five, so quite a while. Almost as long as I was in Wisconsin. So
1: Ah, so you're 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 basically an Oregon native at that point.
3: Well, I guess I you know, close, pretty close. You know, you guys would call me a Westie, I guess. <laughs> I was just gonna get to it. We t- we talked
1: on the phone earlier today. You're like, I fit the height description for a Westie, and I'm like, Yeah, you know, I wasn't gonna say it.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah, definitely a challenge, but
1: uh <laughs> you guys are more mobile out there through the hills. It doesn't pay off to be um full of Bush Light and Casey's Pizza man, and sure. hit yeah. the mountains.
3: <laughs> yeah, probably not.
1: <laughs> That's um, fun. So. Well cool. So let's talk about loophole, man. You, you you work at loophole. That's how basically we got to conversating. Invited yep. me on that hunt, uh it would have been heck about a year ago, this week roughly. Um had you didn't get to go on the hunt, unfortunately, but we went with a uh, good dude, Lucas Bird, out there, and yep, um, yep. a couple of other good uh, – oh, yes, Loophole influencers would be the, the term for it. But great people, sure. awesome camp. I got to come out and see the facility, meet a lot of the employees. And to say that I I, I was so impressed with everything that goes on at Loophole and the people that work there and kind of just like the atmosphere that you guys have built – um, with your employees in the workspace, and everyone's passionate and really good at what they do. Um, I felt very low end when I was there because everybody there is so good at their job. Um, and it, it seems very passionate and friendly and just down to earth. So it was cool to like get the factory tour and talk to people and meet everybody. Um, so, Juan, thank you for kind of introducing us into that world. And it was refreshing to meet everybody and kind of see the atmosphere you guys live in.
3: Yeah, well, you know, I'd say that there's, it doesn't take far to get away from the Portland area, you know, and you got, it's, it's all people like what you relate to on your podcast and everything. I mean, loopholes full of blue collar people and people that are passionate about hunting and shooting. And, you know, we, not everybody there does it, but the vast majority of people do participate in one or the other both. And, and, uh, you know, when you can, when you can share your passion, you know, in your day job. And uh, to go out and play around with some of the stuff you work on, you know, away from that, that's a uh, that's a great you know, that's a great um, opportunity, I guess. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. your guys'
1: products are obviously top notch. And being from the Midwest, being whitetail hunters first and foremost, um, optics isn't something that always played a. And I don't know what term I'm looking for. It wasn't always like the number one necessity at the front line of what we do over here. Um, But I feel as the more experience I get and the more I learn about optics and realize how important they are and your arsenal of tools, I depend on my optics now more than ever. If I don't have my loopholes hooked to me and my vinyl harness when I hit the woods, I feel absolutely lost. I feel naked. I
2: feel lost without mine when I go shoot a target in the backyard. I, like, I have to have them glued to me. Agreed. They are with me, and my
1: range finders are Like For like, a bow hunter, it's a necessity, especially someone who hunts with like a single-pin sight like all of us. Our yeah. binos are right there, range finders hooked on the side of them, yep. ready to go at all times. I feel like it makes us better hunters and more accurate shots with ranging quick... you know, It's just right like if there. If I
2: even think I see a deer in the woods, I'm automatically... Reaching for my vinyls. Yeah. Automatically. Yeah. I was going to say, remember
0: yeah. growing up, like, you had your whatever bow, and then you had, like, this piece of shit Walmart binoculars that, like... Oh, yeah. Never, you, you had a binocular? Yeah, they never worked. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. see shit out of them.
3: Well, that's just it. Can you imagine how much stuff you missed all those years? Yeah, exactly. With you know, I mean, now it's a, it's a case of FOMO, you know. It's like if I don't have my binos, I I can't see through those trees very well with my naked eye. But as soon as, soon as I throw up my binos, all of a sudden I can kind of look past all those, all yeah, those remember, tree
0: like and you, I saw a buck. Like, well, how big was it? like, I don't know. I couldn't see it. <laughs> right,
1: yeah. yeah. I saw I, a rack. I saw his frame, and yeah. that's it. Well, yeah, now it's kind of – it's taken – my white to hunting to the next level. Like last year, I saw a buck breed a doe through the trees that I wouldn't be able to see with my naked eye. But yeah. because I could see better. You could see um, movement. Helps you judge animals from a distance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, th- this is all stuff. It's sad. But um, some people started out using optics as like a main tool. But I feel like all of us kind of, we blossomed a little later into the game. Um, so I, can you just, I know out west, that's, you need them. You can't go hunting without yeah.
0: right. them. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. You couldn't so about them.
1: Can you? Can you break down like uh, if a whitetail hunter that's not into optics hasn't really thought about it as heavily um, as he did before this podcast? What would you recommend for a whitetail hunter for binos for rangefinder? And I mean, kind of, can you walk us through that and maybe guide our listeners a little bit through that process?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's different options, but I think you know, just like there's a three to nine, you know, by forty rifle scope that everybody. That's kind of like the you know the typical one the go-to model over the years but in binoculars a 10 by 42 hey michael can um, you get 10.
1: closer to your phone or something like that it changed a little bit
3: right uh, I'm, I'm trying there you go there that's better way better sorry yeah but in, in binoculars a 10 by 42 generally speaking i would just tell everybody you know it, unless you're hunting in really tight really dense cover you know get a 10 by 42 I mean, it's the best thing. If you go out into open space, it works for you. If you're in closed quarters, you know, it'll still work for you. Uh, you know, uh, it's just about having more magnification so that you can see those finer details, and that's really what it comes down to. Um,
1: that's what we all like you know,
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would imagine most of you guys do. And if and if anybody's re, like I said, if they're having a really tight wood and stuff like that, that they're not looking more really, than you know, 100 yards at the most, then I would say we'll go with an eight. You know, eight by forty-two because then you know you don't need the magnifications because everything's so close and allows you to see more as you're looking through the binocular because you're not you know magnifying everything so much you're not zooming in so much. So. so, so and then
2: before like a quick breakdown, can you describe or explain what the eight and what the forty-two means you. in case someone doesn't know what that means? Yeah.
3: Yeah, eight power basically is at eight times magnification. So your eye obviously is a one x no magnification, and if you throw those up, it's basically increasing you know your ability to see about eight times. So um, so you're you're just basically zooming in on whatever you're looking at basically because you're you're getting closer. And as you go up in that number, it just allows you to see further out you know higher magnification. So You know, you start talking about guys that want to do long range spotting and stuff. And, you know, it's a usual binocular. They'll go up to a 15 power, you know, something like that, which is a lot. And the only downfall as you go up in the number is that it's harder to hold them steady, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So you got to lean on something or whatever. So a 10 power, most people can hold a 10 by 42 pretty steady. Obviously, an 8 is even easier. But, once you get to twelves or fifteens or anything above that, um, you you want some kind of a solid rest generally that you can you know that you can hold it on so that you can not shake so much.
2: And you think a you think a 15 power like screw with your eyes a lot more too than like an eight power because it's trying to adjust for that fifteen times magnification.
3: Yeah, but that's where you get into op- the optical design, like a prescription. So if you will, you go out and get glasses or contacts or something like that. If you get a lousy, you know, prescription, yeah, then your eyes are doing all you know doing everything to try to adjust for that right and Mm -hmm. and after a while you get a headache you get this eye strain you get all those kinds of things but if you get a good optical design something that's really sharp and crisp and refined you can sit there with two eyes and look through binoculars all day long Um, now when it comes down to a spotting scope when you're looking through one channel that can be uh, over time that can be more challenging because you just use one eye and you usually have the other eye shut and, you know, right. people will put a patch or they'll put their hand over their eye or the bill of their hat or anything like that, just to help with that. But, but generally speaking, um, you know, I think looking to a binocular with a good quality design is, uh, is something that you can do all day long if it's, you know, well, I mean, and we... that's really the difference in price really is as you go up or down in price point, it's just the refinement of that, Right. optical
1: design and before i got into playing around with like high-end quality optics i always heard spend as much on your optics or more than you do on like your firearm you know mostly you think scopes right you know with sure i mean i think is it fair to say loophole is known for their scopes first
3: well yeah i mean we we're definitely known for our scopes i mean we make everything that mounts to a firearm in our factory here in beaverton which is kind of a suburb of portland and and so that's certainly where it all started back in the '60s, um, is, you know, in the production of those things. But uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, nowadays you can get rifles that shoot quarter minute, half minute groups right out of the box, right? And you don't have to pay you know a custom rifle, you know, price. But but you spend a lot more time behind your binoculars or your spotting scope than you do behind the rifle scope, right? You, yeah. yeah. You're locating everything and if you don't have quality then you're not going to find it and if you can't find it you can't shoot it
1: right <laughs> so, right, right
3: So you know you you want to make sure that your optics are there and then you know obviously if you if you find something that you really want to go after then you throw up a scope Then it's got a crisp clear image and because you don't sometimes you don't have a lot of time right and you want to right. be able to find it quick and, and take care of business you know going
1: to add to when you talk about like the quality of an optic when we were in south dakota so we you know we look through our binos a lot hunting whitetails and stuff but nothing like when we go out west you know when mm-hmm. when i hunted in oregon last year with you guys i lived through my binoculars yep. and yep. i i did I, that's how we found everything we wanted to hunt that's how you see if something's worth going after it's how you glass and and when you're chilling out you're looking through your glass the whole time Mm -hmm. you know if you're sitting relaxing you're you're trying to spot something well hunting antelope in south dakota same thing you know we're looking and we're glassing and
2: i don't know how many hours we logged through our loopholes on that trip (sighs) but shit done because it was like oh there is that a goat out there and immediately throw them binos up yeah
1: that's we live we live through them and I don't recall. I mean, it's a little different for us because we're not as used to living through them that heavily. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah. But I don't ever really recall in like eye strain or something like that. Where we were out there hunting with our buddies from uh, Buckstorm. Uh, they're all from South Dakota. They were on a sheep hunt the week previously. Um. They they had a buddy who who drew a sheep tag, was lucky enough, and they went and scouted and and helped them get on it. And they they were talking about how. They were looking through their glass so much. for like six hours straight, and they run a different brand. And I'm I'm kind of joking around, poking at them right now. I'm not like trying to put anybody down, but they complained about their eyes hurting and just kind of like at the end of the day how exhausted they were. And I was like, oh, maybe if you just had better glass, you wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> your eyes wouldn't hurt yeah, so much. Loophole, what's up? <laughs> no, I I didn't, I didn't give them any any grief, but I, I just did that so yes, they would did. listen to this and be like, man, you suck. So why you call us out like that? Yeah, why, why you <laughs> got to call us out like that? But it, that is a good, you know, quality optics, you know, I guess we'll prevent that. I, I'm a dude that's getting ready to go get glasses, and I'm
2: scared of it. So, yeah. Bro, I've had them since second grade. You'll be fine. Contacts, man. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah, no kidding, context, but uh, you're right, I mean, like you said, if you, if you don't, if you can't spend all day behind them, then you don't have the right one, right, and you, you know, you just, like anything else, as you go up in price point and everything, you go up and find features and, and benefits and everything, and so, you know, if you're going to spend a lot of time behind glass, then, you know, you're better off, you know, stepping up, and, and you know, I mean, all of our and spotters and rifle skinch, all that stuff is lifetime guarantee so you're talking about a one-time buy you know and then you're covered and so it's it's gonna work for you and uh you know it's easy for us to say spend more on your glass because you know we make it but uh it's really true you know the yeah tweet, it really proves out to be
1: true can you kind of break down what that means like lifetime guarantee
3: yeah, I mean, so basically, it's just, you know, it's a one time purchase, and if there's is any issues with it, if you, you know, if you drop it, if it, who knows? I mean, whatever. If, if there's any accidents, any kind of issues, anything that happens, it doesn't take much to throw off an optical design. I mean, you, you might you know you might drop something really hard and it'd be fine and then you might drop it really hard again and all of a sudden if a piece of glass inside there moves the slightest little bit then things aren't lined up and
0: then yeah you'll know real fast
3: <laughs> yeah then you're gonna know and so you know any, any of those kinds of things for quality and you know performance and and you know accidents and whatever i mean we 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 started the lifetime guarantee back when we started making optics you know uh started as early in as the 40s you know when they're doing water measuring equipment surveying equipment stuff and so it's always been a part of loophole and and uh it always will be
1: that's super cool, and it's good to be like working with brands that provide that. Like HHA is one of the brands, a Wisconsin brand. So you, I don't know if mm-hmm. you shoot HHA or not, but um, they're the same way. Like if you drop it out of a tree stand and your site takes all the fall, or you run it over with your truck, you just hit them no up and you're like, I'll ask you a new one. Yeah, you're just like, hey, this happened, and, and they got your back on it, which is yep. you know, it's worth spending money. Uh, it's easy for us to say that too because we're partnered, and it looks good if we promote it, right? But right. It is it is worth spending money on something that does that because, like you said, it's a one-time buy. It's so, super
2: refreshing to know that you have that in the back of your mind in case something does happen. Oh, yeah. You don't want it to happen, but in case it does happen, Well, got, I, I got your back.
1: I find it rare if you back over your bow with your truck, like if you set it on your truck tire and got in to do something and got distracted, and you back over your bow and smash everything else on it. I have a hard time believing a bow company is going to send you a brand new bow because right. you ran it over with your truck. <laughs> yeah, we've seen it happen. Yeah. But it's nice. To, yeah, we have seen it happen. But it is nice to know that you know other other brands do have your back with that. And if you invest it in the right areas, you know it's they're going to take care of you. Um,
3: yeah. And our goal with with this thing is it, we you know yeah we got this warranty and we'll we'll take care of it. But you know, our goal is that you don't have to use it.
0: Right, right.
3: Because, I mean, if you're out in the middle of nowhere on a hunt of a lifetime and your optics go down, Amazon Prime doesn't drop it in there for you. You know, you're not Mm going to get it. And that's the last thing you want to have happen. I mean, you know, you were worried. You got out there and all of a sudden you had an issue with a boot, right? Can you imagine if that boot, you couldn't wear it anymore? I've seen guys where they wrap duct tape all around their foot and then they just spent the rest of the time trying to hunt with a – with a foot with duct tape on it,
1: just because they they didn't have they didn't want to quit their hunt. So right, right, yeah, that's a good point, man. I've I've seen. Uh, I'm not naming names, Michael, but I saw I saw some spotters hit the dirt pretty hard uh, right. on a hunt, and uh, we all looked at each other like, oh shit, and it was fine. I ended up uh, I killed my first mule deer by looking through that spotter. Um, right for a while judging what it was like last day of the hunt, judging whether or not I wanted to shoot it. And it was, it worked fine. Um, but yeah, it was one of those moments. We all looked at each other like, Oh no, that oh, thing just God. smacked the ground and rolled for a little ways. <laughs> and, uh,
3: they're not that fragile. I mean, they're you know, they, obviously there's glass in there, but they're, they go through, there's a lot of testing, a lot of, including drop testing and impact testing, things like that. So they're, they're not as fragile as everybody thinks, but uh you never know.
1: It seems that way, right? But like you just worry about it. You you invest oh, yeah. and there's like you said, there's glass in it and it's uh it's one of those things. Like I'm, I'm really protective about my my loopholes, yeah. my binos on there. I'm like, oh wait, hey, give me some room here. I'm about to pull these babies out. Like <laughs> you back up, Respe- back up a little bit. Respect the space of my loopholes. to social distance here. Yeah. <laughs> How about you take a picture for social media? Look at this. You know, I yeah. I, I make people, I let them know that I'm I've got some loopholes, but no, I don't do that. But uh, you see these bad boys? <laughs> you see these bad boys? You got a pair of these? No, you don't. Yeah. But you should. No, I don't do that. But that would be um, yeah. a huge asshole move of me. Um, <laughs> but I might do that to one of my buddies this year, just to, just to do it. Yeah. Why not? Well, what can you talk about some of the testing you guys run? I I got to see it in person, and I don't know what I can and cannot talk about. Um, when, oh, yeah. when I was there, but like you guys run your stuff through the ringer before it hits the market.
3: Yeah, you know, if you got uh, environmental testing, is obviously the big the big thing that really puts it to the test, and then that's where you know you put, you have a heat chamber, and you basically put products in there, and you'll heat it up to 120 to 140 degrees, and it'll sit there for a certain number of hours, and you know it, it'll just build up to that while it sits in this chamber, and then it'll sit there for a while, and then you put it you'll start to uh, run the temperature back down and then you'll drop it down into the below zero ranges. I mean, depending on the products, so they'll go down to zero, 20 below, 40 below, and they'll do the same thing. And so, and then periodically as they're testing it you in know, all those different uh, temperature ranges, you know they're reaching in there and they're trying to see if everything still functions correctly and if you can still turn the magnification if you can adjust the focus if you can do all of those things because you want it to be able to function you know depending on where you hunt because not everybody hunts where it's you know 45 degrees out in blue sky sunshine or anything like that. <laughs> right yeah right and so they'll do that so you got all those environmental tests and then we'll do some variety of different drop tests you know from different Heights, you know, three, four, five, six feet, those kinds of things, and then, or you'll simulate uh, a recoil, you know, on a, you know, on a huge gun. Uh, there's, you know, 375 H and H is always stuff that kicks like a mule, and, and so they'll simulate recoil and run the scopes through tens of thousands of tests, uh, impact tests, to make sure that everything stays intact and still works. And there's been a lot of tests against competitors where competitor products kind of start falling apart before they can even you know, finish the test. so you know it goes through the gamut and we beat the heck out of it because like I said we want to make sure you don't have to use the warranty
1: yeah no that makes sense it, what's funny about that is I don't have a ton of firearm experience when it comes to hunting you know I don't the, think any of us do here the, really. the first animal I ever shot with a rifle was on that hunt in Oregon with you guys which was which I really did enjoy it actually I thought it was really fun um, and that rifle I shot was Oh, smooth as butter, man. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm used to shooting like muzzle loaders at home yeah. and and 12 gauges and and shit like that. Right. Well, I always remember being younger. It's like, oh, the shotgun knocked the scope off because all the recoil. Like, I and you know that might just be <laughs> because we had cheap stuff when I was growing. Like I was young, You're probably tossing around. Yeah, you know, just yeah, being unnecessary with it. I don't know. I just remember that yep. being in the conversation with my dad and some of the, the older guys I hunted with. Like, oh yeah. You shoot that shotgun enough, it'll knock the side off, which I'm like, thinking back now, it's like they, it might have just been we had cheap cheap stuff, you know, and that was just or part just of it. Or
2: deer camp where they're telling you that shit. Or we just didn't know any better, right.
1: and we just sucked at shooting. I don't know what it was, but it's just kind of growing up. That's what that's what I remember when it comes to, like, optics on firearms, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I'm sure there was many cases where that was the case, and, and then there was other examples where, you know, guys – Leans it up against the tree and it falls over. And the next thing you know, it's not shooting straight and all those things. And so everybody starts thinking that everything is that fragile. And when you get a quality product, it doesn't, it's not nearly as fragile as examples like that. So, you know, you know people put it to the test and we make sure that it performs.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's just, it's one of those things. I mean, you guys stand behind a quality product and we're proud to be a part of it with you guys. So we do appreciate Absolutely. that, man. And it, it was Absolutely, cool. Yeah. Cool. To get the phone call from you kind of believing in us and, seeing what we do and inviting me on that hunt and everything so i am thankful for the partnership and and just being good people over there it's it's been pretty awesome
3: well likewise i mean we just we, we enjoy just kind of hanging out with you guys and talking to you guys and everything and it's always for especially for me to kind of go back to my roots a little bit so i love that
1: yeah i know uh you and i were talking we got to get you out to the uh wisconsin deer classic or something get you back in the old home state there if you will and Um, kind of shoot the shit, drink a couple good Midwestern beers and hang uh, out with us for a weekend. Hang out with us
2: for a weekend. I don't know if you're ready for that, but (laughs) you'll be like, man, I am higher class than I thought.
3: Uh, I don't think so. This is why I left Wisconsin. He
2: is from Wisconsin. We know how them guys can be too. That's the craziest show of the year is Madison. Yep.
3: Yeah, we tried to do that last year First first, well, first week of April And obviously it didn't work out But uh, it's certainly on my calendar again for this year So we'll make it happen
1: Well, we got absolutely. a spot for you in the booth, man Come hang out we'll, uh, Maybe we can get some loophole binos And some rangefinders on the booth And let people play with them a little bit And absolutely kind of wake up to the calling there um, But no, I mean So last time we tried to podcast And you guys were having an apocalypse out there um, <laughs> A little bit of everything going on Yeah, yeah. Um we, we were leaving for our goat camp and you were leaving for an elk camp, like the same day and getting back the same day, actually. So this kind of worked out to reschedule this. Um, yeah. maybe tell us a little bit about that because I know a lot of our listeners are elk hungry or it's at least on their radar, you know?
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, we're fortunate here that we've got two different species of elk. You know, if you want to go on the other side of the mountain, if you want to go east, you can go after Rocky Mountain elk. And if you want to stay here on the west side on, on the coast range, you can go after Roosevelt elk, which, which is fun and, and, uh, the big difference is that you're in the jungle out here on the west side compared to, uh, what you normally see. Typical Colorado or Utah, you know, Wyoming out there on the, on the east side. But yeah, most of the time I do the, uh, I, I chase the rosies out here and, and it's not very far from where I live actually, you know, a little over an hour away. So it's, yeah. uh, it's pretty quick to get there. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was a good time. I think I had one of the more more memorable and areas play out for me, which is great because I was uh, I was by myself. Normally, I got a you know a coworker that I uh, that I hunt with quite a bit and everything. And he had tagged out the week prior. Um, oh, cool. We were hunting together, which was awesome. And, and uh, so we had one one in the books, and we were trying to get that other one going. And they had already closed the the whole state from hunting and access they closed it for almost 10 days and so everybody was really nervous that it wouldn't open back up during the so-called peak period it's about a month long season so for archery
1: oh short uh, thing for archery
3: yeah so uh so yeah we were worried uh, that they weren't going to open it back up when when we had it pegged for the you know the rut and everything like that but thankfully they did they opened it up on a wednesday and and i killed my bull on thursday um oh, perfect yeah no so kidding
1: so what yeah. what is the main difference and i don't know how into elk you are but like through so a roosevelt versus like a rocky mountain like what's is there a big size difference is there is one more you know <laughs> that's a good question more interactive with calling how, how does that all work
3: yeah generally a rosie's gonna it's gonna be a larger body it's gonna be a smaller antler
1: oh really i didn't expect that yeah
3: yeah, it's kind of the the other way around, right? And so, you know, if you got a 300 class rosier, I mean, you're talking bull of a lifetime. You know, We're, right. there's a lot of Rockies out there that are 300 and well above 300. So, um, so that's that's the biggest difference. Um, you know, and then the other thing is. Um, you know that the, the antlers out here because they're on, they're rubbing on cedars and and alders and stuff like that the antlers are like a really kind of a chocolate brown kind of rust color nice so it's, yeah it's a really cool color you know and then they get those white tips from from rubs and stuff and so it's pretty cool but as far as being vocal i would say that generally they're less vocal than than the rockies but it also could be that You just can't hear them as well because they're in these deep canyons that are heavily, you know, wooded and ferns that are four or five feet tall and and stuff. And so sometimes you just can't hear them unless you're closer. So sound carries a lot more, you know, out in Rocky Mountain out country. So um, right, right. But but, yeah, we still, you know, everybody still tries to call and locate and everything like that. And you know, you just you just can't see as far. And, you know, so, so a lot of times with the timber companies and the state forests and, and stuff where, wherever there is any logging and, and uh, clear cuts and stuff, what that does is that just creates food for, for these elk. You know, they, they prefer to, to eat out in those, in those cuts with new growth and everything. And, and so everything kind of starts from checking out the clear cuts and then, you know, and then see if you can either lower the bull out of the timber or you got to go in the timber after him. So it's just one, one way or the other.
1: Very cool. So you were hunting one full day or two days, be your second day.
3: Well, I had hunted a couple of weekends, see you the know, long weekends prior to that. Just, uh, just didn't get it done on my side. I and mean, we were, we were in the elk, I think pretty much every day that we were out. Um, and, and like I said, the week before, a couple of days, probably maybe four or five days before the, the fire started, um, uh, yeah, my coworker, uh, he, he knocked down a bull. And so, so we were out there doing it then, but uh, I'd say on the average this year, probably it was only about eight days before I, seven or eight days before I tagged out. But, That's awesome, man. Some um, guys will hunt a lot more than that and just, you know, just depends on the luck, I guess.
1: Yeah, so what? So how did you find your bull? Was he in one of those clear cuts, or did you have to go in deep after him?
3: Actually, I did find him in in a cut. Uh, well, I didn't see him in the cut until he showed up in there. But, you know, it's funny. I, I I stayed out there, and I slept in the back of my truck, you know, and I was going to walk out and old. There's lots of old logging roads all over the place, and, and some of them are really old that they're all grown over with grass and everything like that. And so those are the ones you kind of tend to want to hang around a little bit, you know, and yeah. – and, uh, I had walked out one of those at first, not even the first light, really, um, and I had to get back to my truck by, by 9 a.m. because I had a conference call, believe it or <laughs> not. <laughs> so, you know, and of course, on the way back to my truck, I, I bump an elk, you know, in the timber, but it's still so dark, I couldn't tell what it was other than a blonde body. You know, you couldn't see their heads because their heads are so dark. Yeah. Anyway, I got back, I do my conference call, and I'm on the corner of this clear cut, and I'm thinking, well, before I walk back, into the timber I'm going to just look down over this clear cut and see if there's anything out there well you know went up there and boom you know I saw two blonde bodies across the clear cut and by the time I could throw up my binos I saw that one was a spike which aren't legal in that unit and then the other one I didn't know what it was it went into the timber on the far side before I could see it so then you're sitting there and you're going hmm when there's one there's always more right Yeah. so (laughs) You know, so I'm sitting there trying to think, like, okay, this is probably where they went. I'm looking on my on my app, you know, and trying to figure out what it looks like. There's a way I can slip in there. And I'm thinking, I can't get in there. And next thing you know, you know, they started coming back out. And uh, cow after cow after calf after calf. And, it's, and then finally the bull comes out. And so then then the game's on, right? And so, you know, this clear cut is kind of a, a bull shape. And so they, they're either going to swing around and come underneath me, right? into the timber, or they're going to go up and over and, and then cross over into the timber. So I'm sitting there watching and waiting. To, at what point do I take off? They're probably I don't know, maybe 250, 300 yards away or something like that. So yeah. Once I figure out which way they're going, then I, you know, I throw off my pack to try to get as small as possible. So there comes in handy being small.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, the, Westie, <laughs> the Westie, the Westie power
2: comes alive yeah, until you yeah. can't find your pack again.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And then, yeah, but anyway, I threw it off and I ran up there and I, I was trying to get them off before they could see my truck or before they headed out in the other direction. And one thing led to another and, you know, they went into the timber, I couldn't get them. So then I kind of swung a big circle I ran back past my truck I ran down a ravine where they couldn't see me you know and and I was hoping they were going to come side hill towards me and eventually that's what happened Uh, they just kind of started working side hill and because the ferns are so tall in that particular area by the time I got down on my hands and knees the ferns were head high so I just hunkered down in the ferns and watched all the cows and calves and the spike feed above me 15 to 20 yards away and Waited for the bull to come following up through there and stuck an arrow in him. I think he was probably sixteen, seventeen yards.
1: No kidding! Wow. That's crazy yeah. on top of yeah. you.
3: Yeah, and uh, he he didn't. He took two steps and stood there. I mean, he had no idea what happened. The rest of the the herd, they just kept slowly feeding past me. They didn't. They didn't know it. They didn't. You know, the wind was was working for me. So basically, since I they didn't see me or anything like that, they had no idea. And no uh, kidding. Yeah, I just basically stood there in the ferns, in on my knees for what felt like an hour, until he finally, you know, tipped over. So,
1: no. Nope. How far cool. was he from you when he tipped
3: over? Uh, 16 yards. Oh Jesus! <laughs> oh man, the that had to is, have been awesome. Heavy, be nerve wreck yeah. as hell. Well, I'm watching this play out. That's the whole scenario. Obviously, <laughs> I went. I did the short version, but this whole scenario ended up going about a little over two hours. You know. Yeah. And And so you're watching it and then they they start coming your direction and you start getting all excited, you know, then you're like, all right, just calm down, calm down. Yeah. (laughs) And the heart rate's going up and then back down and then up and then back down. And Yeah, it was crazy. And then one of the cows looked like it was going to feed side hill right to me. And I thought, oh, no, I'm just going to get busted right when the bull's coming up. And and thankfully, he came up from below her enough that she bumped up the hill further because they're always trying to. He's always pushing them, right? And so yeah. they, they kind of avoid the, the bull unless until, the, until it's time. And uh, yeah, so luckily he pushed it uphill and uh, yeah, he stood there for a second and I was able to to, to do the uh, we one in him. It we actually went past through, so it was great.
1: That's kick That's probably why he didn't know what hit him. He was just kind of like, yeah. well, what the hell was that?
3: And I, a lot yeah. of
1: people don't realize that, especially non hunters, they don't understand like an arrow can zip clean through like butter through an animal and. They don't even know until they start feeling drunk. Right. Yeah.
3: You know, he's just standing there, you know, and he's looking around. He he could, you know, he's, he doesn't know. He's like, all of a sudden I don't feel very good. And in the meantime, everything, all the other ones are just going by him and they're not paying attention to him. And, and, uh, next thing you know, he doesn't feel good and he just lays down and that's, then it's over with.
1: What was your reaction after that?
3: Well, it was a relief for sure, you know, because I was kind of bouncing around like a pinball in the, on the side of that, in the timber there, because I was like, if they go below me, I can't go, I can't be too high, so if they go below me, I can get a shot at them down there, and if they go above me, I need to be where I can get a shot there, because, you know, so I was like back and forth, back and forth, and at the same time, I'm trying to look at all of them to make sure none of them somehow see me moving. And, uh, yeah, because there's a lot of eyeballs looking around, and, yeah. and there's a couple of times I thought I was busted, but, you know, thankfully it was a calf and after a while, they just don't know what they thought they saw and they just, you know, go about doing their business after, after a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, the whole time you're doing this, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking it's not going to happen, you know, so I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm right. doing everything I can to make it happen. But, um, that's how I, I guess in my own mind, that's how I try to stay as calm as I can be and, um, and, you know, it's not going to happen until it happens, right? And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I just felt like they were going to come towards me, and I just did everything I could to make sure that if they did, that I would have a shot, and thankfully it played out for me. So, yeah, it was, just, it's a great feeling, you know, it's a great feeling because to be that close to all those eyes and everything. I was
0: going to say, I'd be losing my mind, like, when the first oh. first come in, you're like, oh, it's happening, like, yeah, not come in behind? Or you're, you any you're gonna time. get trampled. You're always tucked, tucked in a fern, <laughs> and they have a,
2: a big cow to stomple you out. Or if one yeah. smells it, they're they're out of there, or oh, something yeah. like that. You know, it's just crazy how sometimes them stars just align, yep. and everything yeah. works out perfectly the way you think it's gonna work.
3: And you talk about trampling, you know. I mean, there were a couple of weeks prior to that, in the very I think opening weekend, uh, there was a story here in Oregon where a hunter. He, he, had, he had arrowed one, and he didn't kill it. And so they came, he and the landowner came back the next day to try to locate it. And he walked up on it, and it was still alive. And uh, it jumped up, and it just charged, just reacted, I guess. And, and it ended up goring him and killed him. No, oh, no kidding.
2: Shit. Yeah. Killed so you, you got that running through your mind as you're sitting on yeah. these ferns too, probably. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm going, these friends aren't going to stop anything. <laughs> Hell guys. no. So when I, when I thought he was finally, you know, done and, and he had died, I was like, oh gosh, okay, now I'm going to do a big circle around him to make sure. And so I start get up and I start tiptoeing and going as quiet as I can, but I'm doing, you know, doing a circle. But I mean, he was five yards from me by the time I got, start doing the circle and I still couldn't <laughs> see him.
1: Oh, because it's so thick.
3: Yeah, so I was just like, yeah. And then I finally got around behind him where I could grab a branch off the ground and give him a good jab, and, you know, by that time I saw that he wasn't breathing, but, you know, I wanted to make sure. And oh, yeah, it.
1: especially by yourself, yeah. man. I mean, there's nothing – like, if one of us was with you, I'd be like – yeah, you just, I mean, what do you do oh, if mean, one gets I mean, up? You can't
3: stop it. That's
2: even scary with a whitetail. You know, we all do that. You kind of give them a little jab before you go in. But yeah, like I mean, an animal yeah. that big, like an elk? Well, imagine like a, a big,
1: yeah. heavy, heavy, grief. A big, mature, heavy, heavy whitetail in Iowa, Illinois, you know, at the most is going to be in that 300-pound range, which is a huge animal. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the Roosevelt's get to, uh, six, 700 pounds, 800 pounds. I don't know.
3: So generally, if you're talking about a mature boy, he's going to be in at eight hundred to a thousand. Wow. Yeah, and then this one was this one was a a, what we call raghorn. So he was kind of like I guess he'd be in his mid twenties to mid thirties, you know, by human standards, and and so he you know he was probably more of the Rocky Mountain size, you know, six seven hundred pounds kind of (sighs) thing, but. Still, yeah, that's a lot coming at you, you can't
2: do much about it. <laughs> two to three times more than a, a yeah really nice sized whitetail would be. E- every now and again, <laughs> I think maybe once a year, you always
1: see like photos or whatever of a guy who went and grabbed a whitetail, and the whitetail like swung its head up, and then just like yeah. lays the dude open, you know, with the mm-hmm. spines yeah, yeah. or whatever. Which that's what yeah. nightmares are made of. One, it would scare the living hell out of you, but it would just not be a good time to take a G two to the face, but. No, no. Yeah, I can't imagine walking up on a seven to a thousand seven hundred to a thousand pound animal. Uh, and then it gets up. Yeah, then it gets up. Or I moves would. Or uh, it'd be the pucker factor. Would be really, real. <laughs> <laughs> be really.
0: really tight uh,
3: while well, it's still alive and it's kind of walking towards you too, and you're just like, mm, "There's a lot here, but see so me a sharp stick and you with." You
1: know, sharp ears. Right, yeah, no kidding. I. Whenever I think about situations like that, I remember, always think back to that Fred Eichler video where he's in that yep. raft and that brown bear charges him. I don't yeah. remember where he was at. He's like, you couldn't get yep. a grease BB in my ass with a hammer. <laughs> 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 I think about that every time, like, one of these situations comes about because, you know, yeah. you, true. you go into legitimate wilderness fight or flight. It's you and yeah. Mother Nature, and what are you going to do?
3: Yeah, yeah. And all those things are rushing through your head as it gets closer and closer and closer to you, you know. And to be honest with you, I mean, even if it was a cow, it'd still be be an issue. I mean, if I had a cow elk come after me, you know, that's still going to be a big problem.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's like, you know, a beef cow. You got a beef cow coming at you. Ah, You better run, zig and zag and hop a fence and do whatever. You know, you're out there with elk, and there ain't no fence to get across. You got to avoid getting stomped out by... Mrs. Mama there. <laughs> Stomp you out with her hooves. Not a good
2: time. Her hooves.
3: Yeah. yeah we all see that with whitetails. With all kinds of deer. I don't They'll rear up on those back legs and start slapping at you with those front legs. Oh, yeah. That's not a, that's Guaranteed not
1: a hit harder than any boxer that's going to punch you. Oh, yeah. Him. Oh,
3: yeah. Not good.
1: It is scary. But, you know, I think that's a, that's a thing that gets looked past a little bit, like the danger factor. You know, not so much with whitetails, but... You know, elk are big animals. You see like moose charging people a lot on sure. on TV. Bears a different breed, you know. It's right. it, bow hunting is uh it's a different level, man. It's a close game especially when you're fifteen yards, man. And yeah. you got a wounded eight hundred pound animal right there. That's it's it's yeah. pretty inspiring, man. I, I'm I'm pretty jealous. It's pretty cool. Super jealous about yeah. that.
3: As someone never gets old, that's for sure, but you know, I mean, I, I was listening to your podcast about the bear hunt that you did and you were talking about different guys, you know, going out to their stand in the dark and, you know, if they should be doing that and, and everything. You know, your mind starts to really kind of do flips and stuff and mess with you when that, in those scenarios. And so, yeah, that's a, it's something you gotta try to fight to overcome, that's for
2: sure. Definitely yeah. not the top of the food chain at that point. Not out west, man. It's a different <laughs> ball game. I I'm cool with walking
1: into the woods in the dark here, you know. No, like, oh, yeah, no problem. Scariest thing I'm gonna run into is, you know,
2: another person. Whatever. Yeah. No, a turkey flying out of a tree. That's that's, that's about uh, yeah. you about shit your pants that, when that, that happens. That's pretty horrifying. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. A turkey or a gorilla snake
0: taken off right at your feet. Yeah, a pheasant really puckers you up, too. Yeah.
3: But, you know, you're not going to get
1: gored or uh, mauled to death by a turkey or a pheasant. So I'll take it any day. Might get (laughs) get a spur to the land. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks, man, for coming on. And we finally finally got it done. And uh, thanks for sharing that elk story. Congratulations on that.
3: Yeah, that was a great time, and it's always fun to talk about because it's fun to relive like it is anything else, you know, those those kind of hunt camp stories and stuff, so that'll be one I'll remember for a while. Well,
1: if the Wisconsin show actually happens, we'll expect you to be there. You're more than welcome to hang out with our crew the entire time, if you can hang on. You have no
2: choice, you will be there. Yeah,
1: you will, uh, we'll have a warm seat for you in the booth, and we can, uh, we'll play with some optics and do some podcasts, and, uh. I guess have a few beers the Wisconsin way, which whatever right. way that is.
3: Yeah, well, a lot I'll of them. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I
1: think the Wisconsin way is a lot of them. Yeah, it's just like yeah, yeah. we're gonna drink like Wisconsin's, Uh A lot of, a lot of beers, a lot of them.
3: <laughs> I think you guys know how to do it.
1: We're familiar. We're familiar with the yeah, process. I think I think we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah.
0: been
2: to Wisconsin well, a couple times.
1: You'd think when we do trade shows that we're like an old rock band the way we uh, we go about it. So. <laughs> we're on tour. It's been around for a while. Yeah, right. we're, on, we're on tour right now. We're celebrating. Yeah,
3: You got the look. That's, that's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just got to grow our hair out a little longer. Right. Had the 80s hair, man. But no, we're uh, we're always that crew that ends up having like three to four coolers full of bush lights somehow magically got its way into our booth. I don't know how it happens. but it We does. don't do it. And no. It's gotten yeah. to the point where we have listeners bring us cases of beer into the show in backpacks and they're like, hey, that's loyalty there. It is loyalty. Right? I, yeah, it's like, hey, I got you this case of beer, but here's the catch. You guys you got to drink one with me. I'm like, yeah, I, no, I can't.
2: Okay, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, hey, he my arm. Yeah, it's eight in the morning. All right. <laughs> crazy how much a yeah. case of beer brightens your day, you know.
3: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Those are going to be long days, you know. As much as it's fun to talk to everybody, they're still long days. So it's always nice to have something to kind of help you along.
1: Social lubricant, if you will.
3: There you go That's
1: it Well thanks man so much Anything you want to close with Anything you want to say To our listeners
3: No I just look forward To getting back there And you know Hanging out with you guys And being able to talk To some people Face to face I listen to so many guys On your podcast uh, And everything from, from the area and stuff So it'll be fun To get back And actually meet these guys And, and uh, sh- to share some more stories I guess Yeah for Absolutely. sure Absolutely We're looking, looking forward, forward to it yeah. man
1: Looking forward to getting together We appreciate the partnership We appreciate you giving us a chance And and inviting us out to do some cool shit. And we're looking forward to the future, man.
3: Absolutely. We'll have a good time together.
1: So, all right. Well, I think that closes it up. Thank you everyone so much for listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you.
2: When you go out there,